0: What's up, players? Welcome to another DLC episode of Ready Press Play. Those are the episodes that we record in advance and we bank them for moments when, for whatever reason, any of us are not available to record. Uh, we actually did one of those a while ago that, by the point, I would assume by the point you're listening to this one, you've already heard, which is our top uh, video games of the 2010s. Uh, that one was scheduled to drop during GDC because I was going to be out of town for that event. But it's. I have no idea when you're listening to this, but it turns out I didn't go to GDC. But nobody went to GDC because the event got canceled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and which <it's> true.
0: <laughs> which and is it's true. Which is something that we're going to be talking about in a timely manner um, in our next uh, normally recorded episode. Which is. It's probably really. I never know kind of how what to say in these episodes, Lewis, because it's always so weird to think about the idea of people listening to this in the future, but also yeah, not no knowing. Script. Yeah, like not knowing exactly when they will be listening to it. Anyway, yeah. typically, every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, and all of that stuff. Uh, but in these DLC episodes, we do things a little bit different, and we instead dive deeply into a, a particular topic. So, for today, what I thought would be cool... Um, also for the for the uninitiated. I'm joined today as always by my co-host Louis (laughs) Minchak.
1: Of course. Yes. Hello.
0: (laughs) I just realized (laughs) see I'm so used to having the intro that like I was just getting right into it and then I was like, oh shit, I haven't even introduced him yet. So I, I should oh, probably no, come it's up. The,
1: if if this is a if you're if you're a regular listener, then you know you know you know what the deal is.
0: Yeah, you probably know. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, Louis, that that it could be fun because I'm assuming that there might be some people that listen to this podcast because you know they knew me or they followed me, and there might be some that listen to it because they knew you and they want to see what you're up to. Um, And so so some of those people might not be familiar with you versus some of those people may not be familiar with me. Some people might just be new listeners that are not that familiar with any of us. So I thought it could be nice to have an episode where we just kind of talk about ourselves, but specifically within the gaming um, world and and basically kind of go through like our history with games. Uh, We're a little bit different in age, so I assume or uh, and also grew up in different countries. So I assume that has some influence as well and kind of how... how we came into our gaming selves um and how we grew up with games and everything so i thought it would be cool for us to kind of share like our history and then we're also going to do something fun um after we do that which is we're, we're going to go through and answer some questions that will help um get people to know us a little bit better in regards to our taste in games
1: god i feel like we're on a date or something <laughs> That's, it's like we're playing I want to get to know you or something yeah video I know edition. it's almost
0: like that. I actually you know I have a I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much for the audience but I do have some future potential topics planned that would be even more like a date Louis <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we'll, well, look, uh, look,
1: look let's call this DLC let's let's title it I want to get to know you video game edition
0: <laughs> there we go I like that and uh, I even I even played around with the idea of like maybe we should do one of those dedicated to you Louis and we should do oh. one of them dedicated to me okay but right. but but at the, is at that, that going
1: to be enough to fill up a whole episode? Because I feel like we're already doing it right now with probably not,
0: probably not. Yeah. So we'll anyway, let's. We'll uh, sorry, you were going to say something? No,
1: I was going to say we'll see, we'll see where that goes.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the how the timing ends up going. So let's let's get started. Let's see where where should we start here? Should we start with? Uh, do you want to start, Louis?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, I have written out my, my video game history, I have my script in front of me so I don't have to go on tangents and I think I covered right. pretty much everything I needed to or I wanted to say on the topic. Alright, okay. so, so let,
0: let's start with the, how did you start playing video games, Louis?
1: So my first video game memory started out at the age of four, I think it was probably Christmas of 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my brothers got a Super Nintendo for Christmas. and I remember my like my dad holding it in like the the you know in the living room of the duplex that we used to live at, and my, my brothers were jumping up for joy. Um, they got Super Mario World and a Super Scope with like mm-hmm. the the games. It was a light gun game, and from there I was introduced to Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Um, most of the games that we played on the Super Nintendo were rentals from like some mom and pop uh, like d- movie rental store right. that was like down the street from where we lived, and uh, from there. Uh, I got two consoles to call my own, and the rest of them were hand-me-downs. So I got, like, mm-hmm. a Game Boy and a PlayStation 1. And one of the things that I didn't realize, or we I don't know if my parents paid attention to or not, is the fact that when you when you get a console and you get your initial release of games or whatever games you get with it, for the most part, those are the games that you stuck with for uh, for me, uh, that I stuck with for the entire right. generation. Like, I didn't— I right. named, ask my parents for more games or anything like that, and they didn't think to get me any more. So, it's uh, so
0: funny, and I, I hope you don't mind me uh, interrupting yeah, go and for interjecting it. Go for it. here. Um, but yeah, it's so funny to think about like gaming as a kid as opposed to gaming as an adult, because... I feel like as a kid, you just, like, you you just kind of get things and you don't even know, like, at least I, like, you, you barely don't even know what they are before you get them or where they're coming from. And then from the moment you get them, that's your thing. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, it will take a long time before you get something else. And it's so different than being an adult and actually following everything that's coming out. Like, there's no surprises anymore. Like, things don't have the same staying power anymore. But it was so interesting. Like back in the day to have those situations where it's like, yeah, like that was the that was pretty much the only thing I played on the Game Boy or at least for like a whole year or something. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like for me, like it was very rare that I would ever ask for games because I wouldn't have like I wouldn't have the balls to ask for my parents for for a game (laughs) at a Walmart. But like the times when I did, I'd always do it strategically because I would always pick like like the greatest hits label and it'd be like 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that kind of thing is like, oh, that one, you know. Right, um, right. Like the Simpsons Hidden Run, and like I think I got like on the PS2, I got the Simpsons Hidden Run and uh, the Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith the game because of it. And then a lot of times I bought my games, oops, super old after the generation's long been over. I used to right. work at a flea market, and I would spend my own earnings uh, from that flea market at said flea market buying like old Sega Genesis games and stuff like that.
0: Did you ever find any like super rare game that came by for like? like super cheap or something like that
1: no at the time I mean there was no way of knowing that so right that's true there's no like I I wouldn't have any context of that for that you know I used to think like the Charizard holographic Charizard Pokemon card was rare Mm -hmm. you know so yeah Uh, but continuing forth um, probably like Christmas of uh, 1997 I got my Game Boy and I got two games for it which was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening and Super Mario Mm -hmm. Land and I cherish those games a lot I played a a lot as a kid Um, they got, on that Game Boy I will say that I did manage to get a somewhat steady supply of games more so than any other system I got a a Bart Simpson game and uh, and then I got a Pokemon uh, Red and Yellow um, as well Mm -hmm. as a Game Boy Color which I still have to this day and after that, I got a Sega Genesis, which was a hand-me-down. Um, I think it was around 1998. So long after the Genesis was already um, lost its relevancy, uh, my cousin Hector, he gave me his Genesis and all his games. And I'm not sure where, where that came from, like from a good place or a bad place, because I don't know if his dad like made him give up video games or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, for the most part, like um, with the exception of like Toy Story, I think I only played just the games that he gave me. As far as like a bundle, it was like ten games, and and I played the hell out of them. Um, I remember like uh, in elementary school, I would wake up super early just to play it before I got to go to school, and uh, so from there, the Genesis, I got into like the Lion King, the 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 game X Men, and lots of Mortal Kombat three. And around the time, around all that time, I was experiencing a lot of games through other people's houses, other family members, other friends of the family, things like that. So I never actually owned my own Nintendo 64, but I had plenty of that because I had two cousins and another fem- friend of the family that all each had a Nintendo 64. So I would actually play Smash 64, Conker's Bad Fur Day, right. and uh, Eye, Killer Instinct Gold. Uh, all those games, I was it was within my uh, grasp. And then I had another cousin. He got a Game Gear, and I knew where he kept it uh, in his closet. Like I had to reach up high above to get <laughs> it, and uh, I would play Sonic all the time on the Game Gear. Right. And uh, one time I was at a friend of the family's house. They had a Sega Saturn, and we played some random fighting game. It was probably, I was likely King of Fighters, but I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know what the system was. It was the only time I've ever laid eyes on it on a Sega Saturn, and the only time I've ever ever since. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then I had an, the same cousin that gave me uh, the Genesis. He also had a PS1 and that's at his, at his apartment where he lived, that's where I experienced Resident Evil 1. I remember being scared out of my mind. <laughs> and uh, towards the end of my childhood, in middle school, my brother gave me his PS2 for because I joined the football team. And in 2011, I got my, I got a job for the company I'm currently working for. And I used my discretionary income to start my video game collection. I spend right. more time collecting than I do playing because I work so much. And, uh, but I used, the uh, my collection to go back and buy back all my memories of my childhood. And I basically try to catch myself up to gaming because there was a huge lull, uh, between, um, you know, what I was playing. So I basically almost missed out the entire Wii 360 and PS3 life cycle, mm-hmm. like almost entirely. I had none of those consoles until their last year and I would just go in there and just buy whatever uh I looked up whatever big name games that you needed to get like you know what 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 a ps3 owner should have in their library go in there play it and catch up and uh I think I started like retro first I started with the super nintendo and I wouldn't allow myself to play like the ps3 games until I caught myself back up and I remember powering through like the uncharted trilogy in like in one month Mm -hmm. so that's That's pretty much my my history right there
0: yeah, we uh we have like we definitely have some similarities uh between our histories, but then we also have like 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 you had a gap um uh, in a moment that was like different than when like I would have had like my some of my biggest gaps and stuff like that. But I I totally understand, and I've also also experienced that kind of stuff. So. You know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and get started with uh, with my stuff, and then we'll see just just how things compare and everything. Okay. Uh. So. So first. Uh. Which I think is uh, an interesting context to this. Uh. I was born in Brazil, born and raised. Uh. Lived there until 2011, when I uh, moved to the U.S. And then ever since 2011, so for the last last nine years, I have not lived in the u.s through most through all of it but i have lived in the u.s through a good portion of it uh i I was basically here from 11 through end of 13 and then i was back in brazil for like 2014 15 and then i was here again from like 2016 onward and now i mean it's been three years since the last time i even went to brazil which is something i want to you know uh do again soon but um growing up in brazil like It's the the experience of being a gamer there back in the day was very different because we wouldn't get consoles until very late. Um, and when we did, they would usually be crazy expensive. Like people often bring up stories about how when the, I believe when the PlayStation Four released in Brazil, it was uh, selling for like two thousand dollars or something ridiculous like oh, that. Oh yeah, I remember it, that story. Mm-hmm. And and that's what, what the the extra context that people don't even add to that story is that it's not only selling for something along the lines of two thousand dollars, but it's also in a country where people make a fraction like like or typical working class people make. A fraction of what they would living in the u.s so it's even more ridiculous it's like it playing like buying a buying a ps4 is many times like it's like multiple months of rent kind of thing it's like it's insane um it's it's multiple months of somebody's full like minimum wage or you know what i mean yeah, um, i
1: think it's also from what I, my understanding is i think it's also true i want to say is that the ps2 was kept on being manufactured through 2013, well in through into the PS3's life cycle, because of Brazil and other countries like that, where they were yeah, importing so them. I, I still feel like FIFA games and stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like countries uh, like Brazil are typically like a generation behind, more or less. And I think that people that were really into games at the time and that were really like, uh, following stuff would would find their ways to uh to to uh cheaper consoles and things that have been uh, brought over uh in a plane from uh from the US as opposed to like uh, like Let's say, let's call it like correctly imported, uh, and things along those lines. But as a kid, you just kind of end up growing up being typically a generation behind, or maybe even more. Um, so, so my experience as a gamer was that uh, even though I'm younger than you, and I probably only started playing games as a little kid in the like in at the end of the '90s, uh, I my first console was a Super Nintendo. So I uh, I had a Super Nintendo when the PS1 was already out for a while and on my Super Nintendo, I just the the game I remember playing the most is Super Mario World. So uh, I would play at like age like five, six, seven, uh however old I was. I I was playing uh Super Mario World a lot. Uh, I had Aladdin on the Super Nintendo, which I absolutely loved. I know that nowadays a lot of people will say, like, when they talk about Aladdin, they Talk about the Sega Genesis version, and I think apparently that's supposed to be the better version or something. But I grew up with the SNES version, so that's what I'm attached to. Uh, I had a bunch of random games. Like I remember having this Tom and Jerry game um, that was probably really bad in hindsight. I had some other Disney games. I just um, wanted to say that I
1: like how I like how we each have half the puzzle piece uh, for the uh, collection: the Lion King and, and Aladdin.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I never played that Lion King game, but I, I did I did play some other – there was some other, like, uh, Disney game with, uh, like, Mickey on it that I don't even know what it was, but that I remember playing. And I just had a bunch of, like, you know, random games that you would expect, like, a parent to buy a kid. And, and I didn't play any of the classic, like – at least not then, like, any of the classic uh, – rpgs or any anything that was like story driven that was on the super nintendo because uh there was no such thing as localization to portuguese until probably like midway through the ps3 generation and back then like i couldn't speak english at all and i was probably even like learning to read in portuguese when i was playing the super nintendo so um none of that stuff would have worked for me even if i uh, like had gotten my hands on it somehow then i got a ps1 uh for my eight year uh yeah for my eight eight year birthday so that would have been uh that would have been 2002 so when people were getting the ps2 here i got a ps1 and here's another thing i wanted to say as well about brazil is that we're also really big in piracy and uh (laughs) pirating games and i remember that when i got my ps1 and i got it from my godmother for my birthday it was such a big deal because not only i got a ps1 but it was a ps1 that had been uh like cracked already <laughs> um so i could like buy pirated games for it um, wow <laughs> yeah and that was that's the thing that like that's it's such a big and i'm not i'm not like endorsing piracy or anything i do have some controversial opinions about piracy but that will be a story for another time <laughs> but like it was it was a thing at the time that, you know, like buying uh an officially released video game was so expensive that people would buy them and then like make copies of them or they would find like, I don't know, some kind of ROM or something online and then just print them into CDs and then sell them for like five bucks a piece kind of thing. So I that's bet the helped.
1: dream. The Dreamcast must have been a success in, in Brazil. Oh, you yeah. Don't, you don't need to crack the system. It's already <laughs> it's done it for you. Works
0: yeah so so it was a huge plus it was like it was a when when people did get consoles which wasn't very common for people to have consoles in general but when people did have them they would go and get them cracked so that they could just go and buy like pirated games for five bucks a piece and there were probably people that could pirate them themselves but as a kid like at the time i i wouldn't know how to do that um but but that's how how it would go where like i would go out with my dad and we would go to these places where you know they were like basically piracy stores and you just go and buy like we go and buy like 10 games at a, like at a time and then we would go back and I will just put them on and and play them and there would always be some that didn't work or there would be some that I would put in try to play for like 10 minutes and then be like I hate I don't like this and then... were they like blank
1: disks with like yep. sharpie
0: written on them? Yep, exactly that. <laughs> so that's how I experienced games for pretty much all of the PS1 generation and some of the main games that I played there like I played the Spider-Man games on the PS1, I played uh Sometimes I, I get things like, sometimes things get a little blurry to me, but uh, 20 Hawk was PS1, right? And then continued through the PS2, but the first one was PS1, right? Yes. Okay. So I, I definitely played a lot of the 20 Hawk games starting on the PS1 generation, continuing on later. Um, and uh, just a bunch of, I mean, I was a kid, so just a bunch of random ass like cartoon games. Like like I had a Scooby-Doo game uh, that I have some memories of playing and um, I don't know, just just a bunch of like random stuff. Um, And I didn't have a Nintendo 64. In fact, I I had not even ever seen a Nintendo 64 until like much later. Um, It just wasn't a thing amongst the the people around me. Um, In fact, I was one of the few people that even had a console, like not a lot of people around me did.
1: You know, and I imagine that cartridges aren't exactly pirate, like pirate friendly, you know.
0: Uh yeah I don't I don't know how the why the piracy scene was like for the for the cartridge consoles actually I'm, I'm a, I, I think there was a way but I yeah it was too long ago and I wasn't in the scene so I wouldn't remember it uh, or no but might be worth uh doing some research on that I was really into uh PC gaming as well though and that's something that happens with you know like sort of in quotes emerging markets is that they're usually really big in things like PC gaming and more recently mobile gaming um so i played a lot of civilization 2 on my pc i played a lot of the sort of simi or um like tycoon games like i like i played like the roller coaster tycoon series and like sim city and the sims and things like that um and i'll just play a bunch of you know we, we were talking about flash games uh and one of the regular episodes and i would play a bunch of like browser games like that um and at some point which i think is like is I can't just uh, ignore, Um, my dad would buy me these magazines uh, that would basically come with a disc, and then the disc would usually have a game or multiple games sometimes, and it was like a monthly magazine or something. Yeah, a
1: a demo disc, probably.
0: Yeah, and in one of those magazines, I got uh RPG Maker, and that was kind of the start of me being into actually making games as opposed to just playing them. Um, but that's probably I feel like that I might bring that up into uh, sharing the love at some point or something because I have a very close connection to a RPG Maker and and what that like what that program meant for me. Um, but anyway, I eventually went from PS one to PS two, probably a couple years in. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing like when I was like eleven or twelve or something like that. And then uh, I remember my first game with a PS2 was Driver 3, which I feel like is a game that I never hear like anybody talking about, but it's basically GTA. <laughs> it's kind of, it was kind of like a GTA clone or something. Um, and I played a lot of other PS2 games, and I had like a Game Shark disc. And remember when that was the thing? <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember that. Uh, the Game Shark's more on like cartridge based uh, stuff, like the Game Boy and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I, I just. I thought the game the, the game trucks were more harder to work with on like disc based consoles because then you have to like put it in first and then take it out and it was other weird. Stuff.
0: But I I definitely had it for the PS2 and I think that's how it worked where you have it in like you like activate something that you get it out then put on the CD of the or the the disc for the game and then and then play that. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, all that stuff like like from PS1 to like PS2 to my next console after that, that probably went that was probably only a couple of years. Um, so I went through that stuff pretty fast. Because I'm thinking that when the Wii came out, that was 2006. And that I'm sorry if that makes you feel old or something, but that's when I was 12. Oh, my God. I was <laughs> about to graduate high school. I think I was 11th grade. So <laughs> um, the Wii came out. And you know how people talk about how like the Wii got people into games that were not into games before? Yeah, I remember that. That, act- that actually kind of happened with me. Because although I was already a gamer to some extent and I already cared about games, I wasn't like deeply involved with like reading about games and like actually making like educated purchase decisions and things like that until I got a Wii uh, in 2007. So in the year I turned 13, (laughs) Um, everything up to that point had been mostly like, you know, like going through the pirated games or seeing something in the store and pointing to it or just getting it randomly for like christmas or birthdays or whatever um i failed to mention that but at some point i also had a game boy with pokemon i'm pretty sure pokemon was the only game i had on it um so with the wii i uh that was when i like i really liked the wii like for reals like that was that was the console that i was like oh this shit is dope (laughs) like um just like wii sports and and the idea of uh you know, playing with motion controls, like, we kind of take it for granted now, but at the time, it felt like, if it to me, it felt revolutionary. Um, And as somebody that before had, like, I had played games here and there, but I wasn't, like, I was never, like, that obsessed with them to, like, actually be, like, looking stuff up online and things like that that much. With the Wii was when I was like, okay, I actually care about this. I want to know, like, what are the best games for this machine? What are things that I can do with it? Um, And I bought, that's when, that's also around the time that my family started coming to the U.S., so we would like we came in uh we came to the US for a vacation like uh a handful of times within like the next like five years, and then whenever we'd come in, we would do the thing that's very stereotypical, like like tourist thing from uh from South America that you go in and you just buy a bunch of games and then you bring them back to your country. So that's mostly how I experienced my the Wii library and also the PS3 library. So a couple years in I also got a PS3 and then that got me into some more mature games. Um like, you know, like the Uncharted series and things like that uh, when I was a little bit older. Um, so and let but, me just
1: ask you, I don't mean to cut you off here, but were your consoles NTSC? Or I thought they would have been PAL.
0: Uh, so, is NTSC like US? Yeah. Right? Yeah, they would have been NTSC. So, here's something interesting, actually, about that. The first time I... So, I, when I got a Wii, and I think I got it for my birthday... I uh my parents had bought it like in France I believe so it was the European uh region code um and they they bought it because they they would been we'd done a vacation I had family in France at the time uh and we did like that was the first time that we went overseas is that we visited them the previous Christmas and then without me knowing my parents bought a Wii while we were there and then a couple months later when we're back to Brazil they gave it to me for my birthday so they kept that like (laughs) they kept that hidden somewhere for like five months um, but, and then I got a Wii with like, I think it was like Wii Sports and Wii Play or that's, that might've been it. Um, and then I just play that until we went to the U.S. on like the next Christmas, <laughs> pretty much. And then I had a list. I was like, okay, this is all I want. Um, and then I went and I bought a bunch of games, which by the way, in hindsight, very weird decisions. <laughs> uh, cause I bought like, I bought like Pokemon Battle Revolution. I bought Spider-Man 3 on the Wii. <laughs> oh my God. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um it was a uh, weird times weird times um but i, <laughs> I also am <I'm> bo- guessing
1: <laughs> okay i don't i'm i'm already guessing where the story is going but i'm not going to ruin it go for it
0: and then i went back because like obviously i left my console at home and then i went back and then i went to play them and i couldn't play any of them because the region yeah because the region european
1: is pal so it wouldn't work on ntsc consoles
0: so what ended up happening is that we we ended up like selling that Wii and then buying another one that was uh, ntsc Interesting. Now, I'm surprised ga- you
1: didn't just like uh break uh like mod your Wii because I'm pretty sure like the homebrew scene could have played region lo- all regions.
0: Yeah, I uh I could have probably done that. I think that at that point, me and my family were kind of like in a different spot where we we're like we we're kind of done with the life of crime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I'm being fastidious here. I don't know. I feel like uh, after you know, things like at that time were changing and then we we're last like like we i I guess i didn't even think of that because at the time we were more in the mindset of like no let's uh let's like go like whenever we go to the u.s again i'll just like buy like a handful of like original like wii games there at a time and then i'll have that to play for a while until i do it again um and we're also like that's when you know like us moving to the u.s started becoming a possibility as well so i guess we didn't like i didn't think too hard about it that didn't seem like it was like a need um but yeah it's in a different world i might have Very well done, that. Um, So, yeah, I I obviously played a lot of PC through my life, like, through a good portion of... Like, up until, like, I was, like, 16 or something, that was the primary way that I would play games. Like, I I never got that much mileage out of my PS1 and PS2, if I'm being completely honest. Um, And then with the Wii and the PS3 generation, that's when I actually started getting more into console gaming. So I'm sort of the opposite in a way that you are, where anything before that i have a lot of gaps like there's so many like classics from before that generation that i have not played i have gone back and try to play a lot of the things that were available then um and and i have caught up on some stuff um but but those are my gaps and then in the ps3 slash Wii generation that's when i actually played a lot of stuff um and of course then later on when the new gen started with ps4 and xbox one and everything then i was also uh, up there so if i'm going through all consoles that i've owned in my life it would be super nintendo game boy ps1 ps2 uh wii ps3 then ps well actually 3ds 3ds wii u ps4 and then uh switch now okay so so that's pretty much how it goes so ma- major gaps for me never owned an xbox console um didn't even play that much at friends houses or anything like i have very limited experience with xbox like only like a handful of times i've like really played on xbox um outside of work actually because at work i i uh i have like an xbox dev kit that i use um and um with the nintendo stuff like didn't own anything between the super nintendo and the wii so 64. Well, oh, that's only two consoles. There. 64 and GameCube. Major gaps for me too. So I actually caught up on a lot of that stuff with the 3DS. Um, because the 3DS had the Zelda remakes and um, Star Fox remake and things like that. And that's when I was playing a lot of those games actually.
1: Okay. Um. Interesting
0: yeah so that's kind of my story and i did play a lot of pc games so like i played a lot of uh online games like for some reason korean mmos are like really big in brazil so i played a lot of those that i say the names here and nobody has ever heard of them <laughs> um but yeah, yeah like for
1: me pc gaming was playing solitaire or pinball <laughs> or a minesweeper
0: um no i like i loved i like i still love the civilization series uh i have not played six yet but that used to be my some of my bread and butter and i played uh like a lot of online games like obviously i played a lot of league of legends when that came out and before that i played a game called ragnarok a lot i played another game called grand Chase. i played maple story for a little bit um i played like guild wars 2 for a while i played um i don't know um like some random ass online golfing game called, I think it was called Pangia or something like that. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing for me is that now I very much live in the mainstream world of gaming where, you know, I follow the big releases and I play a lot of the big stuff, usually you know, a, a little bit late, but I play a lot of the big stuff and I'm familiar with a lot of the big franchises, but Growing up, like, really up until I was, like, 14 probably, uh, most of what I played was, you know, PC games, uh, random, like, licensed games and things like that. You yeah. know, what's really uh, really interesting when I think about my gaming history
1: is that um, one of my rules is, like, I never give up hardware. Um, mm-hmm. I've, and I and I and I never really made up that rule until later on in life, but I had actually managed to follow that rule my entire life without even realizing it. That's crazy. Um, so I've kept everything, like even my Sega Genesis, and you know since you know I was a kid. And actually, the only hardware I ever gave up was my PlayStation One. Mm. It was like a real Ash Ketchum thing, where you have to say goodbye to it, kind of thing. Right. Uh, it was. Uh, I was in. I was living in a summer for summer in Mexico with my cousin, and I brought my PlayStation One with me, uh, and we were playing it a lot um, that summer. And because I already had a PlayStation Two at home the uh, playstation 2 being backwards compatible i knew i could just play my my ps1 games my discs in there so um i decided to leave it there with him so he can enjoy a ps1
0: right that makes sense i've i've had things like that um i I have not kept a lot of my consoles. I only started uh, being more careful about keeping them when I got much older. Um, when I was younger, a lot of them ended up being hands me- hand-me-downs to uh, other people as well. Um, my, I think my Super Nintendo broke um, at some point. My, Actually, it's funny because my grandpa is an electrician, and he, my Super Nintendo broke a couple of times, and I remember him being able to fix it. I don't know how. Uh, and at some point, it was just like we couldn't fix it anymore. And so I think we ended up just either throwing it away or giving it away or something. Uh, My PS1, I used to, it it was dragged around for a long time um, until uh, it eventually got lost somewhere. I don't know. Uh, My family still has a house in Brazil, so it might be there somewhere. I just haven't seen it in many years. My PS2 was given to somebody else in the family, uh, and I don't think they have it anymore either. Uh, Then my, let's see... Yeah, I I definitely had other. I I have no idea what in my Game Boy had. Um. So yeah, I do I do wish that I still had some of that stuff. And in fact, I've been like in with this itch recently, Louis. That I've I've been really wanting to get more serious about collecting uh video games, but not like because like I I own it's it's kind of funny for me to say that I I have a shit ton of games, especially from like the last couple generations. Um. But I, I like the idea of going back and buying like some of the older consoles that I had, but I don't have anymore. Um, and then going back and buying some of those games that I played as a kid and like look for them and actually try to like dig a little bit deeper there and, and have some form of a collection that represents, you know, the things that I like. And, oh, basically um, what I've done. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I've been itching to do I, that, but uh, I I actually
1: I uh, didn't, I, I was very heartbroken the day my PS2 died, like the same PS2 that my brother gave me when mm-hmm. i played that when i joined the football team it was i had a fat ps2 and apparently uh those die and uh, a lot of retro stores in my area won't accept fat ps2s uh, mm-hmm. because they it was a known problem or something like that and the slims they don't have a they don't have that kind of failure rate so i currently mm-hmm. have a ps2 slim which i didn't mm-hmm. even know existed um until recently like um i saw uh somebody brought like a other ps2 to a um to my old job to for I had to have an employee party and i'm like uh, what's that <laughs> <laughs>
0: well that's funny i uh like i had a ps my ps1 was the ps1 slim and my ps2 was the ps2 slim Oh, um, nice and but my, then i my ps3 was the fat ps3 but then a couple years later um we ended up it was actually when i so i had the i uh w- it, it, it wasn't that I had it. It was more like my family had it, right? Like, we had it. Like, me and my siblings, we always, like, kind of shared most things. We were not, like, with consoles. Like, it wasn't so much, like, this is mine or this is yours. Like, so, like, we had a Wii and we had a PS3. So, when I was moving out for the first time, which was in 2012... I wanted to take the PS3 with me. Um, So, my family ended up buying a Slim uh, for my brother, basically, and I was taking the fat PS3. And then at some point, we like switched, but like without me telling them. (laughs) Uh, At some point, like we were living together again. And then when I moved out again, I just happened to take the Slim with me. So, (laughs) right now, (laughs) right now, I have a PS3 Slim. I have a PS4, I have a PS4 Pro, I have a Switch, I have a Wii U, I have a 3DS. Um, all of that is with me. The fat, I think the fat PS3, as well as my Wii, are at the house, um, like at my family's house in Brazil, uh, but I'm not 100% sure. They might have gotten rid of them at this point as well. Um,
1: well, fat PS3s
0: so. are hard to come by. The failure rate is ridiculous. So. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think mine was still functional, but it just not functioning very well. The the Slim was definitely a lot like smoother and then my brother wasn't using it anyway, so I just kind of took it. Um anyway. Yeah, so it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind it's kind of fun to uh to talk about this and to kind of reminisce like w- what it was like to like, you know, play games as a kid and then like as a teenager and then as an adult and like how it varies and um et cetera.
1: I'll tell you this, like, most of my PS1 experience was me playing the demo disc that came with my PS1.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, there was so much, like, I don't know, it's, I I didn't know what I was doing or what I was buying until very late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I said, like, I wasn't joking about what I said about the Wii, like, I bought the most random, like, even though I was getting more into it, I bought the most random games. Like, I remember, like... Because I was like, "Oh yeah, I played like Spider-Man on the PS One, Spider-Man Two on the PS Two, and I and I love those games. So there is Spider-Man Three on the Wii. There we go. I'm gonna love that, you know. And like, it so wasn't bad. Did you
1: uh, did you only like play specifically with the nunchuck and Wii Remote, or did you actually have one of those pro controllers?
0: Uh, I played it with the Nunchuck and the Wii Remote. Oh, God. (laughs) So, yeah, like, it was, like, swinging and stuff like that. Uh, I was very much in the hype of motion controls, like, for that, like, first couple, like, year or two that I had a Wii, where I was like, I I want to see this stuff done well. Like, oh, holy shit, it would be so cool to, like, feel like (laughs) Spider-Man. But, yeah, and then I also bought some of it. I will
1: say that the Wii Remote and Nunchuck was really awesome on on Metroid Prime 3. Oh, yeah, for sure. It implemented it really well.
0: Of course, I'm I'm kind of like a, like goofing around here talking about some of the weird games that I bought, but like I I obviously also got like I got Super Mario Galaxy and I got Twilight Princess and I got Metroid Prime Three and I I was also playing those and then getting more from and Smash Brothers Brawl and Smash Brothers Brawl was like the first Smash Brothers I owned. Um, I said earlier that like I didn't have like the 64 in the GameCube, but I did play Melee in the GameCube at a friend's house. Like I had a friend that had it, and then some of my friends would go there to play it like every once in a while so I was kind of familiar with that but then I had Brawl and then I played that a lot and I remember playing it and just so you know by the way which you're gonna be like you're gonna freak out about this but I played Brawl with the Wiimote sideways oh my god oh
1: my wow (laughs) okay so you know what Dan you didn't know any better
0: (laughs) yeah exactly like I didn't know exactly I didn't know any better and that's just like like that's how they showed the game you know what i mean like they would like that's the i mean you
1: could have at least done a nunchuck at least there's more more controls there
0: see i i alternated like between I i would do both every every once in a while but yeah and but the thing that was interesting too is that like playing smash brothers and you know playing those games on the wii that's as somebody that had not really played anything on nintendo since like 10 years like prior i don't know probably not 10 years but since like uh, like, eight years prior or something when I was playing the Super Nintendo, so, like, many generations previously, like, it was so interesting to me to, like, rediscover, like, all of these franchises. You know what I mean? Like, um, by the time I had a Wii, the last Mario game I had played was Super Mario World. Um, So I went from world to galaxy. <laughs> Damn. You know what I mean? Actually, that's like,
1: a... If you think about it, that's a very natural transition. World, uh, yeah, galaxy. Yeah, I guess.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense but it's like when i played galaxy i was like oh so this is what mario is now oh wow like um yeah like it it was very interesting and then like you know twilight princess was the first zelda i played so in so many ways the wii was kind of like my true oh my introduction god. to like legit like console gaming you didn't actually.
1: play ocarina of time until the into the 3ds remake right yes oh my god
0: yeah Jeez. <laughs> so i did everything by- backwards lewis that's the summary of oh, it yeah makes sense but you know, I I'm here now and I'm hosting a video game podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's proof that you can always you know catch up and uh, pretend that you know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. True. You know, I have learned you know not not to judge people from yeah uh, I I've had. Plenty of people in my life that I felt like were very judgmental about it. like oh you ha- you've never played that game how come you've never played that game or whatever and it's it's dumb like people people have different like people grow up different people have access to different things you know the not not having experienced something not doesn't make you like less of a passion less passionate of a gamer right it's just like you just weren't there at the right time um, yeah. and schedules
1: so. that these days if you're an adult just kind of suck whereas yeah when you're when you're in school you have all the time you want yeah. so. Yeah, it's like I've, the opposite. I've, you have all the time you want but none of the none of the budget and then now as an adult you have all the budget but none of the time.
0: Exactly. So, <laughs> I'm I'm slowly catching up on stuff and uh, you know, I I'm sure I still have a lot of catching up to do, but I think I'm doing a, I'm doing all right at it. Now, talking about like games that we have not played and games that we have played. Do you want to start going through uh the the second part of this podcast? All right, let's do it. All right, so uh, this thing was floating around Twitter recently, and I even retweeted it, uh, or I did retweet it, like, post it, and then um, you might find some of these answers on my Twitter feed already. Uh, but I wasn't able to do the whole thing. Uh, so we're going to go through the whole thing here together, which is like, basically a get-to-know-me quiz uh, focused on video games. And the idea is there's 20 questions, and each question is about, you know, like, some type of game that you've played or, or a couple that are a little bit different. Um, and then it's just supposed to, you know, let you... Uh give you an opportunity to share and and have people get to know you a little bit better in terms of your gaming taste. Uh, So Louis and I are going to do this right now. Should I read all the questions first or should I do like just one by one? Yeah, let's just
1: do one by one. I don't think uh, the listeners need to know in advance. They can just hear it as we go.
0: All right. Sounds good. So number one is a game that had a lasting impression on you.
1: All right. uh, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, you can go first. Okay. So Metal Gear Solid 1. I was at a cousin's house, he had the PS1, and I got to watch him play the game. I never really played it myself, I was too scared to play it. Um, (laughs) That's one of the things, I'm very anxious, especially as a kid, like I always take it so seriously, like I never wanted to die in a game, And, Mm -hmm. and with the game, you know, emphasizing so much stealth, you know, I didn't... I didn't think I was sneaky enough to to play that game, right? And, uh, <laughs> Stress so, you out? Yeah, it did. It did. And one of the things that I really liked about that game was just the voice acting and you know, David Hader and everything. And I really liked the um the, the that was like that was like the come to Jesus moment for me when I realized mm-hmm. you know video games can be more than just what they are. You know that was for me that was like a like a, I wanted them to make the Metal Gear Solid movie back in back in 95 or whenever that or 90s, I think it was 98 I don't remember what year it came out but back in the 90s I did want to, I did one of them to make a real like metal gear solid movie right and,
0: yeah a game that had a lasting impression on me and and granted, I could I could have a million different answers for this but the, the one i decided to go with is going home because i feel like i don't talk about this game a lot um and it is a game that got a lot of love but uh came out 2013 i think so about seven years ago and it's just is a uh, really cool uh story-driven experience uh it's a first person game that you can beat in about two hours where um the kind of the less you know about it the better but um your your character is a woman that's coming back from a trip to her you know her family's home, and as she once she gets there, there's nobody home. So the the plot of the game is about finding out what happened to the character's family as you go through and explore this house and deal with whatever happens in there, and you know find notes and clues and try to kind of put the mystery, like piece the mystery together. And oh, this is a game I that spoil. I want to
1: spoil the ending. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I mean, can you can you do it in a way that's not like super spoilery? <laughs> no,
1: I was gonna say two words, and it spoils everything.
0: <laughs> All right, uh, I, I I tend to prefer not to spoil things if if people want to like get to uh, get to experience them for themselves. But I, th- I actually already kind of had an idea of what the game was about when I played it, and I still enjoyed it and still had a lasting impression on me. Um, I don't I don't constantly think about this game, but but it was definitely one that you know that I thought about it for a while during that year, and I think it was an interesting. I actually think it represents a kind of like an interesting shift in. Uh, in games to, to an extent, because I think that it was the first game that dealt with the, that I remember playing that dealt with like sort of a sensitive, uh, subject that has since been approached in many different ways, but, uh, and so, I think it did well. So, so
1: with it, with that game specifically, I remember, well, cause I hadn't, I went in there blind as well as mm-hmm. you should. Um, But I think that funny thing about that is that I I was thinking it was like a horror game because like it was raining and it was lightning. And then I felt like there were some like scripted moments when you walk past a certain thing and the lightning strikes or maybe it was just bad timing or whatever, like the loop was happening. I don't know. But for me, like, I just remember like, you know, feeling... A little scared because there's no one home and you think that something's gonna pop out at you or the rug yeah. is gonna be pulled from <laughs> underneath you at some point, but it's not that game.
0: Yeah. So it, it definitely feels scary, but it's kinda in a way it's kind of the best type of scary where it's more about like the anticipation that it is about what it actually happens. Um so I'll definitely recommend everybody to play it. Don't don't feel uh, intimidated by the you know, the potential scariness of it. Uh question number two is what's your favorite female video game character? Those. You're
1: first on this one. I'll take. Oh, right. I'll go. I'll go first on the odds. You go first on the evens.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, my favorite female video game character, and I gave this some thought, is I think Ellie from The Last of Us. And there's a lot of runner ups to me. I think there's a lot of strong, like, uh, cool females in video games. Like, uh, I really like Lara Croft. I obviously really like uh, Samus and Zelda. Um, but maybe because it's more fresh in my mind, I, I just replayed The Last of Us again last year. I do really like Ellie, and I'm really excited to see how she's gonna come into her own even more on the, on the next game.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. My favorite video game character should be no surprise. I think it's Chun-Li. Oh it's, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> of course. yeah. So, I mean, fighting games are my jam, but also just in general, um, like I was really little, um, when, when Street Fighter 2 was out in arcades and stuff. And I would watch a lot of times I would watch my brothers play. And, uh, you know, this was in the nineties and this was a different time. I'm not going to say sexism, but mm-hmm. like there was like a like a thing like a stigma like you don't want to pick a girl character like who want who wants to fight as a girl kind of thing oh yeah for sure um, but like one of one time we went we were at a friend's house or whatever and like i don't remember where it was but we had like a family friend growing up and his name was patrick and like my brothers were friends with patrick and one time we were there we were playing super nintendo and then patrick ch- uh, chose chun li and then my brothers were like what you're picking chun li you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. and the funny thing is, he's like, yeah. And he like, he was, he said it confidently. And the very first thing that happened when the game, when it was when round one and then fight is they both, uh, him and my brother, they both jumped, um, uh, they did a diagonal jump forward towards each other. And, um, we didn't know this at the time, but Chun Li has a command grab in the air it was an aerial command grab and she just slams you down to the ground, like real, real hard. <laughs> it is one of the most best moves. I think one of the single best moves in the game that, mm-hmm. cause it just, it just, it just kind of like makes a statement. And, mm-hmm. uh, and whenever she did that and, or whenever Patrick did that and, 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 and then that was whenever we like, we bought the hype immediately right then and there. And I think she's like, she's basically like the first, the first lady of fighting games. I, I think she deserves that title. And, uh, I think she's uh they did a really good job of her character design. You know, she's beautiful but not overly sexualized, whereas mm-hmm. like Cammy, you know, she's just showing her ass. Mm-hmm. And uh I think that's she's uh, she's she classed it up. Yeah. And I, I think agree she's a she's a she's a very good uh female representation of a of a fighting game character. She's she's not she's she's strong but not like but she's feminine as well.
0: So yeah. Yeah. For sure uh number three a game that's so bad but so good
1: all right my turn again all right a game that's so bad but so good all right so i have unfortunately i, ha- I couldn't decide between these two but i'll go ahead and just say them both but i'll only mm-hmm. talk about one of them so my first pick was captain america and the avengers have okay. you heard of it nope it was an arcade game that was ported to the super nintendo and the sega genesis mm-hmm. now what's really funny it's a, it's a beat-em-up game where you can play as a captain america iron man hawkeye and vision and this is all way before the mcu this is like huh. whenever like they were um it was very obscure and that's why it was called captain america and the avengers is because at the time captain america was the headliner you know he was the known character nobody knew who iron man was right and so um and also captain america was the strongest of the four char- uh, playable mm. characters but it's a beat up you go through levels kind of like ninja turtles like tur- uh like um a lot of these uh, streets of rage. Think of all these normal em ups that you would go through. And yeah, that's basically what it was. It was just a, a, a em up with the skin of Marvel Marvel characters. So you have like side cameos like Wonder Man and and Quicksilver and all these other all these other characters. And then they actually had real villains like Ultron was there and um, Red Skull and a bunch of other um, other known Marvel uh, villains that were the boss fights at the end of each level. But that was really, sounds really fun. <laughs> what was really bad about the game is just like the cheesy dialogue. Uh, mm. where it's like, you look, the boss fight starts and there's a dialogue. It's like, you came here to die, you know? And like, uh, there's another one where it was like, the villain was like, see my power. And like, and these really like, like you can like meme these dialogue boxes and stuff like that. And then little voice, there would be like these little voice clips. And it was, it was so just terrible. And if you play it right now, you would just laugh. And, um, it's, it's just bad, but it's it's still good. It's it's just awesome to just like ironically play that game, I think. Mm. So the only other shout out the runner up for me was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker also for the Sega Genesis. It's just a bad <laughs> game. But I think it was bad intentionally so. Right. So that's all I gotta say on that one.
0: I uh anyway. I actually had a really hard time thinking of something for this because I uh I don't know. I, I, I can't think of a lot of games that I feel that way about, but I ultimately landed on just we play um because i did play a shit ton of that game with uh with like my family and friends and stuff and it's just not a game that i would say it's objectively good um I there's there was a, there it was like a mix of mini games where a lot of them were like not good at all but then there were some that were just like a lot more fun than they had their right to be uh so even when I tweeted this, I put in specifically we Plays cow racing mini game because <laughs> it we'd just sit there and play that like over and over again and it's so dumb and it's so simple and um I don't know there's nothing that special about it but yeah I I just didn't really have I don't have a any any good answer for this question where I'm like actually like really attached to it? But that's the only thing I could think of. Have you um, uh,
1: have you seen gameplay for the Michael Jackson's Moonwalker?
0: I actually have not. Oh okay. I was just looking at the at the Avengers game, um, which actually looks uh, looks pretty decent. Um, <laughs> but I have not seen Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. No.
1: Okay, it's based off of that movie, and basically, mm-hmm. you, when you when you walk, you're moonwalking. Oh my god! Um, and whenever you um, you fight these enemies, you do like a spin, like the Michael Jackson spin, and then throw the hat, like a hat toss. And I've if seen you, the footage. Right if now. you uh, hold the magic meter and you spin around a lot, then you'd trigger like a a, a dance move, like a like a <laughs> choreographed. Uh, dance where all of the villains that you're fighting are all dancing with you in like this michael jackson moves and it was basically (laughs) like a screen nuke because after the dance number was over then they all fall over from exhaustion and die basically
0: (laughs) oh i gotta play this game it actually looks it actually looks amazing uh number four is a game that hit an emotional spot in your heart all right so i'm up i keep forgetting this um so I just uh I went kind of basic with this one I'm going with journey um i I played journey in shortly after it came out because I you know people were talking about it and I was reading about it online and I didn't know too much about it other than oh this is a really cool um beautiful indie game and you should play it and then I just uh, went home one night and turned off the lights and turned on the game and then just uh played it in one sitting kind of late at night and I just um it's one of those that's like i I don't kind of i I don't know how to explain why but it just kind of hit me pretty hard and um I remember just feeling like it's like this weird like almost like happy cry in a way where it's like the game didn't make me sad or anything like that it's just like I was just in awe of like being like I was just I was so surprised by like the multiplayer aspect of the game um I didn't see that coming at all and just like The way that, like, I created, like, a connection with this other person, and we played through, like, a good portion of the game together, and just, like, the the ups and downs through the game and the things that happen, and I don't know, I just, it just feels, it's the kind of game that I feel like for people to understand, it, and not, it, it doesn't work for everybody, but you really need to put yourself in that position where it's, like, you know, turn off the lights, like, get really into it like don't do it while you're like cooking or like looking at your phone or whatever you really are supposed to just like get fully immersed and like experience that story and um i don't know it just uh it it hit me emotionally um and like some other games did but i just think that one is one of the most interesting ones because it does it with like no dialogue and not much of any you know typical um tropes or anything like that so um that's my answer is journey
1: okay uh, my answer is link's awakening mm-hmm. and I think that uh, without going into spoilers for the end but just the ending just hurts like so badly um uh, from like the what they what the game makes you do to beat the game it just it kind of sucks and mm-hmm. uh and also it also sucks for link because like the ending for him was not very satisfying you know base it just though without going into spoilers you kind of Assume the worst fate for him, and um, that game just even as a little kid, you know, playing that game, and I would play it multiple times. I would beat the game. I would restart the game a lot, and um, it's the the music from that game, especially uh, Marin's song, has been ingrained in my my memory so so much. And uh, just whenever I heard the, whenever they they did the remake, and I heard the notes, and it just kind of like you know brought brought me like misty eyed, and it just my, my heart would sink that kind of thing, and I just. I think for me that's one of those soft spots for me and it comes to when it comes to gaming.
0: Mhm. Um all right, number 5 and I'm sorry just because we're we're hitting an hour now so I I'm going to try to go through this uh these uh, a little bit faster if you're okay with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm um, I'm going fast yeah, I'm not I'm not lingering yeah. too much either. Yeah.
0: Uh number 5 is favorite game favorite game developer or studio.
1: Naughty Dog. I think one, without question yep. they are like the Pixar. Of mm-hmm. uh, video game developers, like everything is quality, everything is been knocked out of the park, and yeah, that's uh, my answer too. <laughs> there's really <laughs> nothing you can't, you really can't. Uh, besides, like Nintendo, yeah, like EAD, there's really not mm-hmm. a, a developer that can just put a, a brand of quality seal on there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, everything they do is amazing, and um, they have not had uh, any major uh, miss yet. Um, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed for uh, the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> yeah. Um, number six, favorite male video game character, and my answer to this is Shovel Knight. He doesn't have a lot of character. He's uh, he's quite uh, you know he doesn't talk much. He's a bit of a like a, a quieter one of those quieter heroes. But I just think he has a lot of uh, personality, even though we don't really get to see much of him. No, he has than, a uh, he has a lot armor, of chivalry. But yeah he has a lot of chivalry he has a lot of personality and he's like one of those like he's like a modern video game character but I think one that's so iconic like um something that I learned in a game design class once is that like a character is as iconic as their silhouette is which I think is such an interesting idea um I'm not sure if it's like as a blanket statement it may not be like always true but you know characters like Mario like Link, uh, Samus, like, and and you can expand this to to, uh, other industries as well with people like, you know, Mickey, Uh, like all these characters, you can recognize them by their silhouette. Um, And I think Shovel Knight is one of those two It's just so iconic. And I'm so glad that we got um, like an, another cool mascot, um, like Shovel Knight, that had such a big impact in you know the the latest couple of years uh, in gaming he has even his own amiibo, and we don't we don't get a lot of those anymore. So uh, right now, this answer could probably change any day, but right now I'm feeling Shovel Knight.
1: Okay, mine is mine is Ryu uh, no, from yes. Street Fighter, and here's here's why he was my original main growing up, and the he kind of for me he kind of. Embodies the fighting game spirit of a character who is just kind of like Goku. He only wants to get stronger. He only wants to fight the toughest opponents. He travels the world and just seeks to um, master his discipline. And mm-hmm. one of those interesting things that I remember, like, is his ending sequence. Whenever you beat the game in the arcade mode, and he he's not there for the cha- the crowning of the championship. He's not. He doesn't do it for the glory. He's just there, uh, just doing it to. To improve himself and I think that's uh, one of those things that I kind of take away and I think of it as like a noble thing and that's why I chose him as my main is because part of my reason for picking my mains in any fighting game is like you're not just picking the character because well for me personally I I don't pick a character because they're top tier or anything like that I pick the character because they're an avatar of me like what do they represent what does their character say of me or that kind of thing and uh that's why I really liked Ryu and I wish that I I wish a part of me wished that I could main Ryu in Smash Four, but I never could. I could not do him justice, so that's why I didn't use him. But because he was just so complicated uh, from a Smash perspective to use. And so, um, a funny story about Ryu is that there was a uh, there was a, a Capcom the uh, Capcom uh, Pro Circuit. And at the end of the circuit, there was a championship where, uh, after the finals are over, they do a medal awarding ceremony and they put, you know, the medal over everyone's neck kind of thing just to, you know, for third place, second place, and then for first place, the guy that won, uh, first place, he didn't go to the, the ceremony. He kind of hmm. did a Ryu and I thought that was pretty poetic. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I like it's Ryu very, so very much. meta. Yes. <laughs> that's
0: pretty cool. Um, Number seven, five of your favorite OSDs. And I'm starting this one. So um I don't I don't I actually don't listen to like straight up pursue like uh like an OSD album or something to listen to very often. Uh but the ones that came to mind when I was looking at this were The Legend of Zelda in general. I didn't pick any specific game, but you know, there's so many iconic tracks there and I I, I love them a lot. In fact, I actually think Skyward Sword has some of the best uh, Zelda music out there alongside, um, like, Ocarina of Time as well. And, oh, Wind Waker has, like, great music, too. Um, but just Zelda in general. Um, the Last of Us, I really like, you know, like, the iconic, like, guitar theme. Um, and just in general, the Last of Us soundtrack is very powerful. Um, Celeste is so good, so iconic. Uh, another example, kind of similar to Shovel Knight, where it's, like, this new modern thing, but that feels like an instant classic. Um and even though it's, you know it's so recent uh, i kind of cheated a little bit by picking super smash brothers because <laughs> that's basically just a uh, a million different game franchises in there but i think they do a lot of cool things with some of the remixes that they uh that they do in super smash brothers as well uh and then a recent one that i just recently played uh, my 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 friend's game the lighthouse uh they got their uh soundtrack was all um Made by uh by this musician named Mimi Page and she's very talented and and it's all like very uh it, it's it's all like instru- like really instrumentated <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say um but it's like oh, with it's, instrumental uh, yeah it's it's very instrumental uh and like she actually plays like you know like the cello and the violin and everything and it's all handmade and it's really good um so yeah that's it
1: yeah i think i did a lot of small thing which you did um i did that mm-hmm. instead of doing that i picked i just sing without ocarina of time specifically i mm-hmm. didn't i didn't do the thing right i did that i did the thing you did but with mario i did that with every mario game is one of my oh, answers yes, for sure so i picked i just with specific shout outs to uh, mario world mario 64 mario galaxy and mario odyssey like those those uh those soundtracks slap
0: oh man I I actually I should have put Mario Galaxy on my list cause I, <laughs> that's one where like I would have like YouTube like playlists and stuff with uh, or just like you know when you go and you find those videos where it's like two hours of Mario Galaxy music or whatever and just listen to that all the time
1: yeah. And then I've picked, of course, we, 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 um, line up here because we both picked Celeste and Smash. Mm-hmm. And so with Smash, I with Smash, I singled out Smash 4 and Ultimate, uh, those two. Mm-hmm. Smash 4, simply because I pre-ordered the game and they gave me, Nintendo sent me the digital, or not the digital, the actual physical soundtrack, like an actual yeah. CD. And I never opened it. I still have it in its original shrink wrap. So I hope that it, is valuable one day, but...
0: I thought you were going to say, so I hope that it is good. Because <laughs> I don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, um. With Ultimate, I think... Uh, special shout-out to Ultimate simply because they let your Switch become an MP3 player, so you can actually make your own yes. playlist. And you can actually... Make your screen go dark, or or like consume less power, so that way you can just simply, you know, put your playlist on and listen to it um, as an MP3 player, and with over like nine hundred and sixty tracks and counting, pretty much your you can make whatever video game playlist you want. And I last one for me was Mega Man Two, the hmm. Mega Man Two's uh, uh, stage songs are pretty dope and awesome and they they're still stuck in my head and for for other people for that are Mega Man fans they would others would pick Mega Man 3 or 4 but for me i think 2 is the one that's the most iconic out of
0: all of them cool beans number eight is a game that not enough people talk about you can start louis
1: all right so for me i picked zombies ate my neighbors have huh. you heard of that nope okay so it was a super nintendo and sega genesis game and the, um, the ports were, were slightly different. Like the Super Nintendo, whenever you get a Game Over screen, there would be blood oozing on your screen. But on the mm-hmm. uh, Super Nintendo, it would be purpley-pink goo, whereas like in the Genesis, it would be straight-up red. And uh, so the game is very, it's very simple, and it's about you play as two kids, and you're uh, just shooting zombies and trying to get to the next stage. And there would be like these crazy boss fights where like you're fighting this giant baby or something like that. It's it's all kinds of trippy. And yeah. I think that when it comes to like the retro games and like the collections, like when the, play the Sega Genesis collection or like these kinds of things, or Zombies Ate My Neighbors never really gets that that uh, that shine. It doesn't get ported. It doesn't get put in these collections. It doesn't get talked about. It gets forgotten about. And I think that it should have it should have had that same conversation like. Um, on a previous episode, we talked about Secret of Mana, and I talked about how it star rose um, with the PS4 and Switch generation. Whereas right. I feel like the Zombies ate my, ne- ate my neighbors. It never got that profile or that star, that rising star thing that happened. So for me, I think that's a game that should get some love.
0: All right, definitely go check out Zombies ate my neighbors. Uh, my the answer I had for this uh, written down is uh, is the answer that I always give to this kind of question, which is Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Nice. Um, I've I've given that plenty of love on uh on the main podcast already, so I'm gonna shout out a, a different one as well, which is a game called Papers Please. Y- you might have probably heard of it. Uh, this did get some traction back when it uh when it came out and everything, but I don't think I heard that much about it since then. Um, but which, it's ga- basically uh,
1: which version is the best version to play at the Vita or the PC?
0: I played it on the PC, so. I'll probably recommend playing on the PC just because that was my experience. I can't speak to the Vita version. Um, but I just had a really good time with it. I think it's a very well-made game. It's uh, it's one of those that you kind of don't know much of what you're getting yourself into when you start. And then it just keeps, like, surprising you as you go through it. But the plot of the game is you get to play as, a, like, basically an immigration um, agent who... Uh, gets to uh stay at the border of this foreign country and determine whether people can come in or not and and so what you do is you're basically looking at people's passports looking at their faces what they're saying and determining whether they should get into the country or not looking for things that don't match you know if they're you know if their passport doesn't match you know who they are or if they say something that's incorrect and etc and then dealing with that in such such a unique like um theme to a game you know to even uh to even be about that to let you play as a character like that um but the game's very fun and it's very well done and um the the cre- it was made by one person and and the person has since uh made uh the, released their second game which is called Return of the Obra Din, which I have yet to play but if it's if it's as good as Papers, Please it's probably very good as well but yeah I'll, I'll give a shout out obviously to Brothers again everybody should play that game we'll do and-
1: a, we'll do a spoiler cast at some point for Brothers <laughs>
0: I know I, I actually I think the main reason why we haven't done yet what I ha- I haven't pushed for us to do yet is because I would like to replay it.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah, so it's fresh it. for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um but I I haven't found the time yet. Uh number 9 is your favorite villain.
1: Okay. I'll go for this. It's uh, Bowser i think oh yes
0: perfect <laughs> i think bowser is just
1: so awesome and like he's got so much swagger like mm-hmm. for me he he always has okay for the earlier games he had the most fun uh boss fights so like i'm thinking about like super uh super mario 3 and super mario world just going through his boss fight was fun in and of itself with uh with mario 3 he did his uh, bowser down b and smash and like try to like you try to push him through the floor and then with uh with super mario world he's got the helicopter like the bowser jr helicopter and he's like throwing like these bolt these giant boulders and stuff at you mm-hmm. and also with the later games he was just re-envisioned with like so much so much pizzazz like i i, yeah. I really love the the pitmobile that bowser has in 3d world and mm-hmm. i really love the uh meowser in uh, in, uh-huh. in 3d world as well and there's just he's just got so much personality, especially what they did with them in in terms of writing when they did uh, Super Mario RPG and then with the DS games uh, Bowser's Inside Story. He's just got so much personality, and it's just he was just he's just an awesome character, and I love how I even liked how they even use him in marketing and stuff. Whenever um, they were first promoting like the Nintendo Switch and and Bowser's using like the parental settings to for Bowser Junior. Oh yeah, that's so, great. Right. He's just so awesome, and I really love. I just I just love Bowser. He's just awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Bowser's definitely great. My answer is GLaDOS from Portal, which I guess that's a spoiler to uh, the first Portal if you haven't played yet, but go and play Portal. GLaDOS is great. Um, I don't I don't have much else to say about it other than there's just so much personality there as well. And just uh, yeah, GLaDOS's you, you lines. You can't say a whole
1: lot without, de- without spoiling.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but GLaDOS's lines and how they're delivered are like some of the best parts of those, uh, those games. So um, that's my answer. Number ten, favorite game as a kid.
1: Alright, you go you go. Um, you're up.
0: My, yes. So depending on how far back I went, this could have been Super Mario World, but I'm gonna go with Civilization 2. Um I, I kinda mentioned this when we we're going through the history before, but Civilization 2 was the first uh Civ game that that I played. I believe I also got it through one of those weird like magazines with games thing. Um and I got really into it, and it was like my favorite game for, you know, the couple years. I, I, would, I would play it very, uh, like, I kept going, I would like not play it for a while, but then I kept going back to it. And then eventually uh, I proceeded to play, you know, Civ 3 and 4 and 5. Um, but Civ 2, just like to this day, is one of the, it's probably the game in that franchise that I feel like had the most um, charm. And, and there was just, it, it was such a weird, like, like that series is like straightforward, but it's also very weird in some way. And one of the weirdest things about Civ Two that I think about a lot uh, and that I like telling people is that that game had actual like live action scenes on it. It's like the it's like an old like uh sort of like pixel art isometric uh like strategy game, but they but you had like these advisors in the game that would give you like advice over you know what you're doing, and they were actually people that recorded like dozens of uh, of scenes for like different scenarios so you would get like your financial advisor would come in it would be an actual person like that was like like live, like footage that they recorded of like him being like hey i think you should do that you know and it was like just so weird <laughs> uh and that's something that they never did again uh, obviously cuz it's kind of cheesy but it, it was just uh, the the game just had a lot of charm and it was my introduction to you know pc gaming in a kind of serious manner and strategy games and etc um so yeah civilization 2 cool all
1: right so my favorite video game as a kid was pokemon yellow and mm. uh, it's the reason why i mean pikachu in the smash games um again like right. how i go into how i pick my characters and stuff like that it's always the pikachu i choose you kind of thing mentality and uh, the anime of course had something to do with that and
0: yeah of course and
1: <laughs> so like I, that, that's part of the I, I stayed loyal to the pikachu in every smash game and that's one of the things that i don't uh, that I don't appreciate about like competitive meta is that it takes away from your, your desire to play who you want to play. Um, so uh, as far as the, uh, the Pokemon yellow itself, though, one of the things that I really loved about that game was how you bonded with Pikachu. And every time you checked in with him and you can see how he starts with not liking you, or then he becomes skeptical of you and then he starts like liking you. But then at the end, he loves you. And, and just, right. uh, I like, it was a really good progression and I really do appreciate how they, put in the plot of the anime into the game with Jesse and James and all these and Officer Jenny and and how you they recreated how you get Bulbasaur and Charmander and Squirtle kind of sort of and kept it very faithful and I think that it was uh, it was very awesome you know getting to uh, feel like Ash Ketchum and and that's kind of I kind of wish they did a better job as far as like the whole anime thing like I really wish that Red and Red and Ash were the same characters but then like later on it's like no they're not the same person but yeah that's a whole nother thing. But Pokemon Yellow definitely uh, yeah, has a has a uh, has a place in my heart for me, and uh, I just remember in elementary school having like the talk on the on the playground kind of thing where you're talking about oh how you how do you get this or hey let me trade for that kind of yeah. thing yeah so
0: yeah yeah there was something about having a having a Game Boy with Pokemon on elementary school that would just make all the kids gravitate around you <laughs> you know like everybody was just like oh what are you doing um cool uh number eleven uh five of your favorite video games.
1: Okay, Uh, I'll just keep, um, I'll just answer first, because mine's easy. And I'm not gonna give an explanation, because it's pretty obvious. Smash Ultimate, Street Fighter 2, Link's Awakening, Super Mario World, and The Last of Us. Okay, that's so pretty like, much. Are you taking
0: this as your top five?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting. Okay. So obviously, great, great, great choices. Because it says five of your favorite video games, I think I interpreted this a little bit different. And to me, we're like, I, I saw this as this. If I had a list of like my favorite video games, and it could be like a top hundred or something, these are just five arbitrary ones from it. <laughs> yeah, I
1: I can I can see that being the reading on that one, and I don't, I I, I can probably say the same thing about my list.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 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 because I read it that way, what I did was I picked five games that I do really like, and I probably would say are my favorite to some extent, but that I don't talk about often, that I have not given shoutouts are really mentioned before um because they will probably not be like you know like super up there but they're 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 there somewhere <laughs> okay and that's these a, games are it's a fair thing yeah and these games are assassin's creed 4 black flag which is my favorite assassin's creed super meat boy which i think is a phenomenal uh indie platformer uh shadow of the tomb raider which is the latest Doom Raider game, I think it's just like, didn't get a lot of love, didn't get a lot of attention as as the other two, but I still thought it was like a very good uh, one. And I, I did have a good time with it and I did actually 100% it. Uh, similar, in a similar fashion, Batman Arkham Knight. That's the one that people don't like, but I actually really loved that one as well. Um, in fact, I think that might actually be my favorite one of the trilogy. Interesting. Um, in spite of the, the tank sessions, uh, which were not good but i feel like what was other than that what was there in the game was really good um and guitar hero 3 and that's one of those you're like guitar hero is just like there was a period in my life for like a good like probably like six months where all i did was play guitar hero 3 like i love that game i love the franchise in general but 3 was the one that i thought had the strongest like track list that i thought was like the most fun to play i just I it was just the one that really grabbed me um so yeah, that's that's it for me.
1: Just want to say my experience with Guitar Hero wasn't even Guitar Hero. It was called Frets on Fire. It was for the PC, oh, yeah. and you would have like F1 oh, through F5.
0: Oh my god, I played that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh man, I have not thought about that game since ever. <laughs> that's it's, nuts. I've played that. Yeah, and then you can like... download packs and stuff of tracks. Dude, yeah. that was actually, that was like a pretty fun, like, improvised guitar hero <laughs> for people that couldn't afford guitar hero. I think I played that before I actually had guitar hero. Especially
1: because, like, the keyboard, like, I had a wireless keyboard, so you just pick up the keyboard, you have the F1 F5, and you have the shift key, and then there you go. Boom.
0: Dude, I play that shit so much. That's crazy. <laughs> I haven't thought about, I literally have not thought about that in, like, 10 years, like, whenever it was out. Um, <laughs> uh, cool. Guess. Number uh. 12, a game or series that you've never been interested in. So, I have... Like I have one like answer for this but it's kind of boring which is Madden. Like I'm not interested in American football, never have been. Um and I'm also just not that interested in sports games in general. I'll play some, like I used to be into FIFA. Um but I just feel like there's no reason for me to play Madden since I I'm not attached to sports games nor football. Um yeah. Fair enough. How about you? Um so
1: yeah, sports games are definitely one of my weaknesses and I didn't think about that when I answered that. But I picked Final Fantasy. I have Oh I have Final Dude. Fantasy 2 II and 3 on the Super Nintendo which are, I think are 4 and 6. And um I have Final Fantasy 7 on the PS1, but I never played any of them. I just have them for the sake of a collection.
0: Dude, I actually so let me tell you, I actually had that written down first because I'm also not interested in Final Fantasy and or at least see that's the thing. It's like I thought I I've also never really played any Final Fantasy in you know, like a significant amount and it part of it is like growing up in a different country not really knowing english very well until really like you know the last 10 years and then that was the period when most of the final fantasies that came out then were not considered that good and i just never had enough motivation to go back and play the old ones even though i want to eventually i just thought it might have been too harsh of me to say that i have never been interested in because i feel like i do have the interest to play them eventually um but I haven't. So that was also that was actually the first thing I thought of. Um, <laughs> Damn, yeah. we got a lot in common. So we're probably. we're kind of the same there. <laughs>
1: we we have Final Fantasy, we have, we have not played Final Fantasy and we played Frets on Fire. There we go. Does that, I know. <laughs> does that make we're best friends? <laughs> I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. I now imagine like some like somebody coming in and being like, "Oh, like do you do you like FF?" And then us being like, "Frets on Fire." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Number thirteen. Your favorite NPC or party member. All right. What's your so. Uh,
1: so my answer, it was actually pretty easy to come up with, but I also feel like it's such a cop out answer because it's too good. Atreus from God of War. Same
0: answer, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had to think about it for a second. I was like, "Who are like? What are the NPCs that are not just annoying?" Yeah, yeah exactly. I
1: mean, it was it was a tie between him and Ellie, but I didn't want to pick Ellie because yep. uh, because she was too easy. So I wanted to go a little mm-hmm. like I feel like we we talk too much about or not talk too much, but I, we give too much. L- Last of Us has got plenty of love. Let's just put it that way. So I yeah, to, for sure. Yeah, let's. So I wanted to just give a shout out to Atreus.
0: Yeah, Atreus is really good, and like I think I meant I might have mentioned this in one of the other podcasts that we recorded. But I went to a GDC talk where it was all about Atreus and how they built him, like from kind of a little bit of a design perspective, a little bit of a technical perspective. Um, but they they did put a lot of like effort into. Uh, making him a likable character, making him a character that, you know, aided the player, that the player enjoyed having around, and not just that they, you know, hated, as is typically the case with situations like that are, used to be, right? Yeah, when um, you can
1: upgrade him, and then you can make him do trick moves and stuff, and he can jump off of Kratos and, like, all these other cool things.
0: Dude, I legit feel like Atreus like, moving forward, should be the, like, kind of the what's the word like the the example that like everybody should like look at to uh to making like ai um companion ai in games moving forward yeah um
1: i just uh wanted to give a shout out to the very beginning of the moment where he has to you know do his first kill and he just mm-hmm. he slowly puts that that knife in there and then just that that reeling that hurt he's feeling and stuff you know that kind of thing yeah yep. that's such a good this is such a good moment
0: yeah. very good moment Number 14, a game that never gets old. And my answer to this is Tetris. Uh, I feel like Tetris is infinitely replayable. And the I think a good proof of it is the fact that it keeps being remade and released in different ways year after year. And, and it's, I feel like it always does well um, when it's released. So um, Tetris is just great. Timeless, a timeless classic video game that everybody should play.
1: Yeah, agreed. Mine is uh, Super Mario World. Oh, um, yeah. I think that game just holds up... Uh well and it just i think that it's the quintessential mario game and it's just infinitely replayable for me i think that's how do i put this um when it comes to all mario games that happened ever since it's basically just trying to recapture what mario world already did yeah
0: i agree um number 15 a game that everyone should play at least once the last of us yeah (laughs) uh once again like let's not get We've, we've given it plenty of love left for sure. It's it's a one of the best games of all time. Everybody should play it. Uh I picked like kind of like an unusual answer, which is and I know I only know that you like this game too because you said it was one of your uh honorable mentions for uh the best games of the decade. Uh and it's a bit of a I feel like it's a, a little bit of an obscure one. The Stanley Parable. Oh, so, yes. I put this in here just because I think it's like you can like you can you can put like 30 minutes on it and get it. And I just feel like everybody should because it's just very fun and well made and clever and it catches you off guard if you're not expecting what's about to happen and just a around like really cool little experience. Um,
1: yeah, I, uh, I never, I, when I first played the game, I didn't fight the narrator at all because I was a good little, a good little boy. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So.
0: All right. Well you uh, but did you play it again? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Most definitely. Okay. I got I
1: got through so many endings and then there's even one ending where you actually go into the developer build, like this museum thing where you can see making of featurettes. So I think it's the, pretty cool.
0: The people that made that game have actually made other games since that I've i just I had not heard about until recently. So that's something that we should definitely look into because I think they're in similar uh similar style. Um Number sixteen, a game that inspires you and this was the this was the hardest one for me to uh to pick I think I like I left this one for last and I kept thinking about it but I'm going right now I'm going with Celeste um I just think it's a very cool like inspiring game I think everything about it comes together in such a nice way and there's something about like platformers and 2D like pixel art type like those types of games that to me I I guess you know looking fr- from like the game developer standpoint as somebody that, like, works in games, I like playing games like that because they, I can play them and very much, like, do it in my head, like, like, go through, like, what they did and, like, the little, try to figure out, like, the little minutiae of, you know, little details that they, that they accomplished with the game and and what they were trying to do and how they accomplished what they were trying to do and etc. um, like platformers, it's sometimes easier to analyze like platformers like that from like the design perspective. Um, and they always kind of put me in the mood to like actually go and make stuff and you know get back to work as an as a programmer. Um, as opposed to like a game like The Last of Us is inspiring in many ways and is amazing, but it almost like kind of puts you down a little bit because it's like shit. I'm never gonna make something that good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I looked at this in kind of a weird way, but I I think just a game like Celeste inspires me when I play it.
1: Okay, well, so. mine it's uh, another two D platform. It's a uh, platformer. It's uh, Mario Maker. I, oh yeah! I feel like that there game just oozes creativity, and just it feels like the 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 possibilities are are limitless. Um, especially whenever i saw when somebody created a working functioning calculator in, in mario maker and then um, with mario maker 2 when it got more complicated they were able to make an even better calculator in uh, mario yeah, Maker some of 2. that stuff is
0: nuts dude <laughs> and
1: uh when i and the developers of celeste uh they um they made mario maker 2 levels and they were so incredible and I just when I when I see the creativity that that is on display from these on these levels it just it really wishes that like it makes me feel less of a person because I'm not that creative and I don't think I could <laughs> possibly make a level and I've actually made a level before and it's hella basic um, so yeah I just I it really for me it inspires creativity in um, the possibility for me like there's maybe one day I can I can make something dope
0: yeah so. for sure yeah those are great uh, number 17, what's your favorite genre? I think, wait, I want to try to guess yours.
1: Okay, I'll guess yours as well.
0: Okay, yours is probably a platformer. Or, well, no, wait, yours is fighting first, and then second would probably be platformer.
1: It's the opposite. <laughs> you had it right oh, the really? first time. Oh, was damn it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, platformers are, like, my jam. I get I get really into them. Like, I when I talk about, like, Rayman, Celeste, and the Mario games, and I just mm. really, like, get, like, hypnotized, and I get into a zone, and I really love just... You know, having that as my comfort food. I think with with fighting games, they're they're a grind because they're competitive, and you you put so much into them. Whereas uh, mm-hmm. with platformers, you can just kind of sort of mellow out, or you can get frustrated. But you know, it's come kind of your choosing on that.
0: Yeah, so. for sure.
1: All right. So for yours, I'm gonna go with um, let's see, either adventure or open world
0: um i i put in action adventure first (laughs) yes yeah and platformer second so that's that's pretty close yeah um i actually but funny enough i actually that sounds that sounds like a lie but i actually don't typically like open world games that much unless they're done very well so i just feel like i I, because i do really like a good linear game you know what i mean like i do love like the uncharted like last of us is pretty linear so like action that's why i go with action adventure first but there are like you know the Batman games are a little bit more open world. Um, when I when I when I said adventure, I meant an
1: action adventure. Like when I was saying adventure, yeah. I was thinking like the Uncharted's and uh, of the world and the um what was that game I was thinking of? Ah, I'm, I'm 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 blanking here. But there was a game that you talked about, and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty much an an action adventure game right there.
0: Right. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, I figured I figured that's probably what you meant. I just wanted to clarify and call it action adventure because. Well, Not like, cause you talk a lot is. about like
1: uh, Assassin's Creed, and you talk about yes. uh, Tomb Raiders, and um, yep. a lot of a lot of action adventures. Most of them, yeah. like, even when they delve into open world stuff, they're generally pretty linear as well. So it's like, yeah, it's, that's so why it was a, it, it was a mix between it was a toss up between both of them. Like, which way you leaned.
0: Yeah, it's like third-person action-adventure games are my jam. Pretty much all the PS4 exclusives. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's what they're bread and butter at this point, uh, this generation at least, uh, which I'm pretty happy about. I'm also, like, starting to get to the point where maybe I'm becoming a little bit fatigued uh, of them. That's why it's been so refreshing for me to play something like Fire Emblem, um, which is not that at all. Um, But I I still ultimately, like, love action-adventures, and I love uh, platformers as well cool all right homie we only have three left all right uh number 18 that game you really should have played by now so this could have been any of the final fantasy games uh but right here i have shadow of the colossus okay and the reason why i have that is because it's a game that i haven't played that i actually am pretty sure i would like because it seems like the kind of game that i would like uh i just haven't gotten to it so
1: Fair enough. That's not an egregious. I think mine's more egregious, um, oh, yeah? specifically with Shadow Colossus. Like I never actually knew that the game existed until like well into the PS3's lifecycle. Um, Me too. So like I ended up. I was just browsing a video game store and I just found it randomly, and that's I just bought it and I was like, okay, that seems interesting, and then I put it on my collection. I, I
0: have the remaster, um, which I think might have been available at PS Plus at some point, or I actually yes, it bought it and yes. then it became available. Um, but yeah, but so I'll, I'll, I think I have a feeling I'll play that one at some point this year. I actually want to wait for us to do the best of the two thousands for after I play Shadow the Colossus because I have a feeling that would make it in my list. But mm. we'll see.
1: Okay, all right. So for me, my game that I feel like is pretty like shocking is Bioshock.
0: Mm. I feel like yes.
1: I feel like uh, when I was at a uh, at a video game convention. Uh, there was uh, it was an elevator and then somebody with a conversation of Bioshock came up and thank God the person that was talking about it managed to not say any spoilers, but he was saying he was talking about like the plot in like a very general way. He's like, dude, that was the writing was so awesome and so cool or something like that or some kind of plot twist. I don't remember. Like, I don't remember the context mm-hmm. of what he was talking about, but he was saying There that. is a plot twist. Okay. Yeah. So he was saying that that was just one of the best moments in gaming ever. And I'm like, damn, I don't even know it. And so I just kind of feel like even when I bought the Bioshock collection on the PS4 when it first came out, I was... Oh, Like I was like, I finally get like I can finally get caught up and finish that little, uh, my little um, correct my little error in my video game history, but I never Mm. did, even after having the game.
0: I'll I'll tell you that I've actually you know, and and this kind of contradicts what what I was just saying, but I know how Bioshock ends. But I have actually not seen it through. I've played I've I've played the game for like a decent amount of hours. Um, but I've had it, I've had the ending spoiled a long time ago. And maybe because of that I I haven't had as much motivation to like go through it. it's like I already know where this is going. You know what I mean? Um I'm, but
1: I'm glad I managed I, to avoid everything. I don't know anything about it. If I play it, I'd yeah. still play it blind.
0: Yeah, so you should definitely get to it and like play it blind. Uh I've actually been thinking that we should do some kind of like activity or challenge or something for like to, for us to play games like that where, like, they're big gaps in our respective backlogs that we actually care about, you know, like Bioshock or Shadow of the Colossus and et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think that cool. could be cool. Uh, Number 19, favorite indie game you played recently?
1: I guess I'm up first on this one. All right.
0: Yep. So mine is Night in the Woods. And oh, yes. It's so good.
1: And so it's it really speaks to me. Like, one of those things that I even even as a 31 year old like I struggle with is just the idea of like what do I want to be when I grow up kind of thing and I think that the main Mm -hmm. character uh, speaks to that like transitional period granted she's like 18 and I'm you know but I still have that I still kind of have that feeling even as uh, even at my current age and yeah, um, I get that just just so like the the fact that she's trying to figure out her life or trying to deal with her feelings and stuff it just it really uh, speaks to me and I I haven't actually uh, beat the whole game. I've, I've played a lot of it, but I, I never really got to see the how the mystery played out because there's like there's two plots happening at the same time, but there's her daily life that she's mm-hmm. going through and you kind of just kind of feel like you're living that daily life but then there's also a bigger overarching plot of a mystery mm-hmm. that's in that's happening that you that I never that I still don't know I don't have I haven't had it spoiled but I still don't know where it's gonna go or how it ends but I, I yeah. do want to go back to it at some point
0: I'm in the same boat where I played the game a decent amount I really enjoyed it but I also have not finished it I, I think we're both kind of equally bad at finishing games <laughs> I've got I've definitely gotten better at it um But yeah, I have a lot of games like that where it's like, oh yeah, the game's great. I never finished it. (laughs) Um, Mine, I just picked Velocity 2X. Uh, This is an old. I've I've talked about it on the regular podcast before, I believe. But um, this came out like I I think in like 2014 ish. I played it on the Vita originally, and I've been recently going through it again on the PS4, and it's just fun arcadey, um, like top-down shooty game. Um, kind of like Rizzo Gun and things like that. So I know Razogun is not like... It's like Razogun, Re- but like if you were looking at it from above as opposed from the side. Um, but yeah, just a fun little game that I think people should check out. Okay. Now to end this, number 20, a game that truly scared the shit out of you. Okay. And uh, my answer is a game that I've mentioned a couple times recently, but it's just the one that came to mind here, which is The Lighthouse. That's the last horror game I played. Um, and it is... It can get really scary at times, um, so that that's it.
1: Yeah. Mine is um, the a game where I I did a let's play of it on my YouTube channel, youtube.com dot slash music <laughs> Yeah, plug <I like> that <laughs> YouTube channel. So um, I played, uh, I did a let's play of uh, PT, and mm. it really scared the hell out of me. I, we, <laughs> so <laughs> I played it with my me and my two cousins. We um, um, we turned off the lights and we 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 uh, recorded oh, the the let's play in the dark so it's <laughs> bad quality as far as like the cam footage because my camera doesn't have like night vision or anything like that but it's still you can still see our faces clearly enough because like the screen like was bright enough to light up our faces um the tv screen and uh, mm-hmm. also just my house is it has a big hallway and so when i exited the living room you just see that hallway and it just kind of reminded me of pt and it just gives me like the jitters and um when i when we played PT during that Let's Play, there was a jump scare that happened, and we all three of us scra- screamed like a little bitch, like little bitches, <laughs> like really, really loudly, too. And we, you can, like, play, you can pause that moment, and you can just see, like, the horror in our face. So, yeah, PT. When did you upload that video, by the way? Um, it was when PT was out, and I don't think at the time it, it was not deleted. It was yet to have been deleted off the, the PSN.
0: Yeah, I'm asking this because I feel like I've watched this. Uh, I think around the time that we were, you know, doing uh, content before, um, and that you were like very active with your podcast and everything. I think I might have watched this uh, this video on your channel, but <laughs> it was so long ago that I don't remember. So I kind of want to go back now to youtubecom slash Minchaka. Yes, Wait, is that' what it is. Musing with yeah.
1: Minchaka, Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, and uh, and check that out. So cool. Yeah, that's it. those Those are the those are uh, twenty questions. Yeah. Actually, that was
1: actually, it's a game. It's a game of 20 questions. <laughs> yeah, so. in a way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it was, uh, we covered a lot, and I don't, we managed to not go too far over time. Not too bad.
0: Yeah, and I feel like for those, like, for the special episodes, I kind of care a little bit less about the time, but I also wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be here for over two hours, so I think we did a good job at uh a... You know, we, we hit on so many games and so many, like, story beats and things. And, you know, the the, the goal here was that now you listeners can uh, get a little bit of a better idea of uh, who we are and our taste in video games and the consoles that we grew up with and etc. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, now it's time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode, a DLC episode of Ready Press Play. Remember, you can reach the podcast at ReadyPressPlay at gmail.com or simply at ReadyPressPlay on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Lima in Lewis.
1: At Chocolaka88.
0: That's right. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. And that's it. See you next time. Bye-bye. Laters.